Book the Third, Chapter Two of Armadale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Anthony Petronic. Armadale by Wilkie Collins. Neelie entered the room carrying the tray with the tea, the dry toast, and the pat of butter which composed the invalid's invariable breakfast. "'What does this mean?' asked Miss Milroy, speaking and looking as she might have spoken and looked if the wrong servant had come into the room. Neelie put the tray down on the bedside table. "'I thought I should like to bring you up breakfast, Mama, for once in a way,' she replied, and I asked Rachel to let me. "'Come here,' said Miss Milroy, and wish me good morning.' Neelie obeyed, and as she stooped to kiss her mother, Mrs. Milroy caught her by the arm and turned her roughly to the light. There were plain signs of disturbance and distress in her daughter's face. A deadly thrill of terror ran through Mrs. Milroy on the instant. She suspected that the opening of the letter had been discovered by Miss Gwilt, and that the nurse was keeping out of the way in consequence. "'Let me go, Mama," said Neelie, shrinking under her mother's grasp. "'You hurt me.' "'Tell me why you were brought up my breakfast this morning,' persisted Miss Milroy. "'I have told you, Mama.' "'You have not. You have made an excuse. I can see it in your face. Come, what is it?' Neelie's resolution gave way before her mother's. She looked aside uneasily at the things in the tray. "'I've been vexed,' she said, with an effort. "'And I didn't want to stop in the breakfast-room. I wanted to come up here and speak to you.' "'Vexed? Who has vexed you? What has happened? Has Miss Gwilt anything to do with it?' Neelie looked round again at her mother in sudden curiosity and alarm. Mamma, she said, "'you read my thoughts. I declare you frightened me. It was Miss Gwilt.' Before Mrs. Milroy could say a word more on her side, the door opened and the nurse looked in. "'Have you got what you want?' she asked, as composedly as usual. "'Miss, there, insisted on taking your tray up this morning. Has she broken anything?' "'Go to the window. I want to speak to Rachel,' said Mrs. Milroy. As soon as her daughter's back was turned, she beckoned eagerly to the nurse. "'Anything wrong?' she asked in a whisper. "'Do you think she suspects us?' The nurse turned away with her hard, sneering smile. "'I told you it should be done,' she said, "'and it has been done. She hasn't the ghost of a suspicion. I waited in the room, and I saw her take up the letter and open it.' Mrs. Milroy drew a deep breath of relief. "'Thank you,' she said, loud enough for her daughter to hear. "'I want nothing more.' The nurse withdrew, and Neely came back from the window. Mrs. Milroy took her by the hand, and looked at her more attentively and more kindly than usual. Her daughter interested her that morning, for her daughter had something to say on the subject of Miss Gwilt. "'I used to think that you promised to be pretty, child,' she said, cautiously resuming the interrupted conversation in the least direct way. "'But you don't seem to be keeping your promise. You look out of health and out of spirits. What is the matter with you?' If there had been any sympathy between mother and child, Neelie might have owned the truth. She might have said frankly, "'I am looking ill because my life is miserable.' I am fond of Mr. Armadale, and Mr. Armadale was once fond of me. We had one little disagreement, only one, in which I was to blame. I wanted to tell him so at the time, and I have wanted to tell him so ever since. And Miss Gwilt stands between us and prevents me. She has made us like strangers. She has altered him and taken him away from me. He doesn't look at me as he did. He doesn't speak to me as he did. 
he is never alone with me as he used to be i can't say a word to him that i long to say and i can't write to him for it would look as if i wanted to get him back it is all over between me and mr armadale and it is that woman's fault there is ill blood between miss gilt and me the whole day long and say what i may and do what i may she always gets the better of me and always puts me in the wrong everything i saw at thorpe ambrose pleased me everything i did at thorpe ambrose made me happy before she came nothing pleases me and nothing makes me happy now if neelie had ever been accustomed to ask her mother's advice and to trust herself to her mother's love she might have said words as these as it was the tears came into her eyes and she hung her head in silence come said mrs milroy beginning to lose patience you have something to say to me about miss gwilt what is it neelie forced back her tears and made an effort to answer she aggravates me beyond endurance mamma i can't bear her i shall do something neelie stopped and stamped her foot angrily on the floor i shall throw something at her head if we go on much longer like this i should have thrown something this morning if i hadn't left the room oh do speak to papa about it do find out some reason for sending her away i'll go to school i'll i'll do anything in the world to get rid of miss gwilt to get rid of miss gwilt at those words at the echo from her daughter's lips of the dominant desire kept secret in her own heart mrs milroy slowly raised herself in bed what did it mean was the help she wanted coming from the very last of all quarters in which she could have thought for looking for it why do you want to get rid of miss gwilt she asked what have you to complain of nothing said neelie that's the aggravation of it miss gwilt won't let me have anything to complain of she is perfectly detestable she is driving me mad and she is the pink of propriety at all the time i dare say it's wrong but i don't care i hate her mrs milroy's eyes questioned her daughter's face as they had never questioned it yet there was something under the surface evidently something which might be of vital importance to her own purpose to discover which had not risen into view she went on probing her way deeper and deeper into neelie's mind with a warmer and warmer interest in neelie's secret pour me out a cup of tea she said and don't excite yourself my dear why do you speak to me about this why don't you speak to your father i have tried to speak to papa said neelie but it's no use he is too good to know what a wretch she is she is always on her best behavior with him she is always contriving to be useful to him i can't make him understand why i dislike miss gwilt i can't make you understand i only understand myself she tried to pour out the tea and in trying upset the cup i'll go downstairs again exclaimed neelie with a burst of tears i'm not fit for anything i can't even pour a cup of tea mrs milroy seized her hand and stopped her trifling as it was neelie's reference to the relations between the major and miss gwilt had roused her mother's ready jealousy the restraints which mrs milroy had laid on herself thus far vanished in a moment vanished even in the presence of a girl of sixteen and that girl her own child wait here she said eagerly you have come to the right place and the right person go on abusing miss gwilt i like to hear you i hate her too you mamma exclaimed neelie looking at her mother in astonishment for a moment mrs milroy hesitated before she said more some last left instinct of her married life in its earlier and happy time pleaded hard with her to respect the youth and the sex of her child but jealousy respects nothing in the heaven above or on earth beneath nothing but itself the slow fire of self-torment 
burning night and day in the miserable woman's breast flashed its deadly light into her eyes as the next words dropped slowly and venomously from her lips if you had had eyes in your head you would never have gone to your father she said your father has reasons of his own for hearing nothing that you can say or that anybody can say against miss gwilt many girls at neelie's age would have failed to see the meaning hidden under those words it was the daughter's misfortune in this instance to have had experience enough of the mother to understand her neelie started back from the bedside with her face in a glow mamma she said you are talking horribly papa is the best and dearest and kindest i won't hear it i won't hear it mrs milroy's fierce temper broke out in an instant broke out all the more violently from her feeling herself in spite of herself to have been in the wrong you impudent little fool she retorted furiously do you think i want you to remind me of what i owe your father am i to learn how to speak of your father and how to think of your father and how to love and honor your father from a forward little minx like you i was finely disappointed i can tell you when you were born i wished for a boy you impudent little hussy if you ever find a man who is fool enough to marry you he will be a lucky man if you only love him half as well a quarter as well a hundred thousandth part as well as i loved your father ah you can cry when it's too late you can come creeping back to beg your mother's pardon after you have insulted her you little dowdy half-grown creature i was handsomer than you will ever be when i married your father i would have gone through fire and water to serve your father if he had asked me to cut off one of my arms i would have done it i would have done it to please him she turned suddenly with her face to the wall forgetting her daughter forgetting her husband forgetting everything but the torturing remembrance of her lost beauty my arms she repeated to herself faintly what arms i had when i was young she snatched up the sleeve of her dressing gown furtively with a shudder oh look at it now look at it now neelie fell on her knees at the bedside and hid her face in sheer despair of finding comfort and help anywhere else she had cast herself impulsively on her mother's mercy and this was how it had ended oh mamma she pleaded you know i didn't mean to offend you i couldn't help it when you spoke so of my father oh do do forgive me mrs milroy turned again on her pillow and looked at her daughter vacantly forgive you she repeated with her mind still in the past groping its way back darkly to the present i beg your pardon mamma i beg your pardon on my knees i am so unhappy i do want a little kindness won't you forgive me wait a little rejoined miss milroy ah uh, she said after an interval now i know forgive you yes i'll forgive you on one condition she lifted neelie's head and looked her searchingly in the face tell me why you hate miss gwilt you've a reason of your own for hating her and you haven't confessed it yet neelie's head dropped again the burning color that was hiding by hiding her face showed itself on her neck her mother saw it and gave her time tell me reiterated mrs milroy more gently why do you hate her the answer came reluctantly a word at a time in fragments because she is trying trying what trying to make somebody who's much much what much much too young for her marry her yes mamma breathlessly interested mrs milroy leaned forward and twined her hand caressingly in her daughter's hair who is it neelie she asked in a whisper you will never say i told you mamma never who is it mr armadale 
Mrs. Milroy leaned back on her pillow in dead silence. The plain betrayal of her daughter's first love by her daughter's own lips, which would have absorbed the whole attention of other mothers, failed to occupy her for a moment. Her jealousy, distorting all things to fit its own conclusions, was busied in distorting what she had just heard. A blind, she thought, which has deceived my girl. It doesn't deceive me. Is Miss Gwilt likely to succeed? she asked aloud. Does Mr. Armadale show any sort of interest in her? Neely looked up at her mother for the first time. The hardest part of the confession was now over. She had revealed the truth about Miss Gwilt, and she had openly mentioned Allan's name. He shows the most unaccountable interest, she said. It's impossible to understand. It's downright infatuation. I haven't patience to talk about it. How do you come to be Mr. Armadale's secrets? inquired Mrs. Milroy. Has he informed you, of all the people in the world, of his interest in Miss Gwilt? Me! exclaimed Neelie indignantly. It's quite bad enough that he should have told Papa. At the reappearance of the Major in the narrative, Mrs. Milroy's interest in the conversation rose to its climax. She raised herself again from the pillow. Get a chair, she said. Sit down, child, and tell me all about it. Every word, mind, every word. I can only tell you, Mama, what Papa told me. When? Saturday. I went in with Papa's lunch to the workshop, and he said, I have just had a visit from Mr. Armadale, and I want to give you a caution while I think of it. I didn't say anything, Mama. I only waited. Papa went on, and told me that Mr. Armadale had been speaking to him on the subject of Miss Gwilt, and that he had been asking a question about her which nobody in his position had a right to ask. Papa said he had been obliged, good-humoredly, to warn Mr. Armadale to be a little more delicate and a little more careful next time. I didn't feel much interested, Mama, and it didn't matter to me what Mr. Armadale said or did. Why should I care about it? Never mind yourself, interposed Mrs. Milroy sharply. Go on with what your father said. What was he doing when he was talking about Miss Quilt? How did he look? Much as usual, Mama. He was walking up and down the workshop, and I took his arm and walked up and down with him. I don't care what you were doing, said Mrs. Milroy more and more irritably. Did your father tell you what Mr. Armadale's question was, or did he not? Yes, Mama. He said Mr. Armadale began by mentioning that he was very much interested in Miss Gwilt, and he then went on to ask whether Papa could tell him anything about her family misfortunes. What? cried Mrs. Milroy. The word burst from her almost in a scream, and the white enamel on her face cracked in all directions. Mr. Armadale said that? She went on, leaning out further and further over the side of the bed. Neelie started up and tried to put her mother back on the pillow. Mama, she exclaimed, are you in pain? Are you ill? You frighten me. Nothing, 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 said Mrs. Milroy. She was too violently agitated to make any other than the commonest of excuses. My nerves are bad this morning. Don't notice it. I'll try the other side of the pillow. Go on, go on. I'm listening, though I'm not looking at you. She turned her face to the wall and clinched her trembling hands convulsively beneath her bedclothes. I've got her, she whispered to herself under her breath. I've got her at last. I'm afraid I've been talking too much, said Neely. I'm afraid I've been stopping here too long. Shall I go downstairs, Mama, and, and come back later in the day? Go on, repeated Miss Milroy mechanically. What did your father say next? Anything more about Mr. Armadale? Nothing more except how Papa answered him, Neely replied. Papa repeated his own words when he told me about it. He said, in the absence of any confidence, volunteered by the lady herself, Mr. Armadale, all I know or wish to know, and you must excuse me for saying all anyone else need know or wish to know, is that Miss Gwilt gave me a perfectly satisfactory reference before she entered my house. 
severe mamma wasn't it i don't pity him in the least he richly deserved it the next thing was papa's caution to me he told me to check mr armadale's curiosity if he applied to me next as if he was likely to apply to me and as if i should listen to him if he did that's all mamma you won't suppose will you that i have told you this because i want to hinder mr armadale from marrying miss gwilt let him marry her if he pleases i don't care said neelie in a voice that faltered a little and with a face which was hardly composed enough to be in perfect harmony with the declaration of indifference all i want is to be relieved from the misery of having miss gwilt for my governess i'd rather go to school i should like to go to school my mind's quite changed about all that only i haven't the heart to tell papa i don't know what's come to me i don't seem to have heart enough for anything now and when papa takes me on his knee in the evening and says let's have a talk neely he makes me cry would you mind breaking it to a mamma that i've changed my mind and I, I want to go to school the tears rose thickly in her eyes and she failed to see that her mother never even turned pillow to look round at her yes yes said miss milroy vacantly you're a good girl you, you shall go to school the cruel brevity of the reply and the tone in which it was spoken told neelie plainly that her mother's attention had been wandering far away from her and that it was useless and needless to prolong the interview she turned aside quietly without a word of remonstrance it was nothing new in her experience to find herself shut out from her mother's sympathies she looked at her eyes in the glass and pouring out some cold water bathed her face miss gwilt shan't see i've been crying thought neelie as she went back to the bedside to take her leave i've tired you out mamma she said gently let me go now and let me come back a little later when you've had some rest yes repeated her mother as mechanically as ever a little later when i've had some rest neelie left the room a minute after the door had closed on her mrs milroy rang the bell for her nurse in the face of the narrative she had just heard in the face of every reasonable estimate of probabilities she held to her own jealous conclusions as firmly as ever mr armadale may believe her and my daughter may believe her thought the furious woman but i know the major and she can't deceive me the nurse came in prop me up said mrs milroy and give me my desk i want to write you're excited replied the nurse you're not fit to write give me the desk reiterated mrs milroy anything more asked rachel repeating her invariable formula as she placed the desk on the bed yes come back in half an hour i shall want you to take a letter to the great house the nurse's sardonic composure deserted her for once mercy on us she exclaimed with an accent of genuine surprise what next you don't mean to say you're going to write i am going to write to mr armadale interposed mrs milroy and you are going to take the letter to him and wait for an answer and mind this not a living soul but our two selves must know of it in the house why are you writing to mr armadale asked rachel and why is nobody to know of it but our two selves wait rejoined miss milroy and you will see the nurse's curiosity being a woman's curiosity declined to wait i'll help you with my eyes open she said but i won't help you blindfolded oh if i only had the use of my limbs groaned mrs milroy you wretch if i could only do without you you have the use of your head retorted the impenetrable nurse and you ought to know better than trust me by halves at this time of day it was brutally put but it was true doubly true after the opening of miss gwilt's letter milroy gave way what do you want to know she asked tell me and leave me i want to know what you are writing to mr armadale about about miss gwilt what has mr armadale to do with you and miss gwilt mrs milroy held up the letter that had been returned to her by the authorities at the post-office 
Stoop, she said. Miss Gwilt may be listening at the door. I'll whisper. The nurse stooped with her eye on the door. You know that the postman went with this letter to Kingsden Crescent, said Miss Milroy, and you know that he found Miss Mandeville gone away. Nobody could tell where. Well, whispered Rachel, what next? This next. When Mr. Armadale gets the letter that I'm going to write to him, he will follow the same road as the postman, and we'll see what happens when he knocks at Mrs. Mandeville's door. How do you get him to the door? I tell him to go to Miss Gwilt's reference. Is he sweet on Miss Gwilt? Yes. Ah, said the nurse. I see. End of Book the Third, Chapter Two. Recording by Michael Anthony Petronic.